I'm just going to open in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come together as a family, as a community, Lord, and represent your church, to represent the body of Christ. And uh, Lord, that uh, I just ask that you would help all of us to have open ears, to have open minds, just to hear what it is, Holy Spirit, you want to say to each one of us. God, we want to hear your voice today. We don't want to uh, hear just each other's voices or hear just a neat thought. But God, we want to meet with you. And as we go back into worship uh, later on, that um, our hearts would truly be free just to exalt you. God, with a, with a heart of gratitude, a heart of appreciation. If uh, during worship, uh, maybe we're, we're given of our tithes and offerings, going back to the box or given online. Lord, we, we give out of appreciation. We give out of gratitude. Lord, everything we do, we want to do to bring you glory. Lord, that it would all point back to you and our thankfulness for what you have done for us and who you are to us. So Lord, that you would be praised today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, we are, Tamar and I are going to kind of co-share today, and um, I, I was scheduled to share, and here a couple weeks ago, I was doing a drive through uh, Southern California, um, spent a couple days just out on Forest Service roads, driving the, the gravel bumpy roads and staying out there, and felt like God gave me um, something really clear that I was supposed to share and then uh, here last weekend, I, was, uh, I got the opportunity to um, officiate my older sister's wedding. And I felt like God gave me something prophetic to share to her at that wedding. And then last Sunday, as I was emceeing the service, I felt like God said, you need to share that. So I was a little confused. It's like, okay, that's wonderful, but you just told me to share two things. How do I do that? So I decided if two things was, wasn't complicated enough, I needed to make it a little more complicated. And uh, tomorrow and I went out to breakfast on Sunday or last Monday and uh, we were just talking and I felt like um, I was supposed to suggest, well, maybe we need to share together. And so she started telling me her, like what God's been burning in her heart and she had two different things. So I figured, why don't we preach like four little messages? But no, the, the neat thing was, is I couldn't figure out how to put my two together. And I didn't know which one God wanted me to share over the other. And, uh, but as she began to share her heart, I saw how the four would just flow. So that's what we're going to do today. Hopefully it, um, the Holy Spirit speaks through it to each one of us in the unique way. But we've been spending uh, the last several uh, weeks on a series that Pastor Bob has been doing called Explain That. And the heart behind that series, and the, and the reason Bob wanted to share that series, um, wasn't just, he, he loves apologetics and, and he loves to teach, but that wasn't the goal just for him to be able to do that. It's that many of us get asked questions that sometimes we don't know how to answer. Uh, many times, because of the fear of those questions, we choose not to engage in conversations because we're scared that a question might get asked that we don't know how to answer or something about our faith that we don't know how to defend or we don't know how to explain. And so the whole heart behind explain that is one to hopefully answer some of our own questions which is good for us to have and for us to explore those, for us to learn how to explore those, but also for us to each individually be equipped so that then we can also um, share those and, and, and explain it and be a little more bold where we're not as intimidated to begin to um, uh, just talk about our faith 
And we're not scared if someone asks us uh, to explain something and, 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 or even just to say, I don't know. You know what? That's a good question. And I'm going to have to get back to you on that because I need to go find that out for myself. And so that's kind of been the series that he's been taking us through. But through the midst of that, we've had a lot of different guests um, come and share and share a lot of different things to our church prophetically. And uh, you were going to share on some of that. Sorry, I just have to say when you were talking about how you didn't know how to put the things together. Has anyone ever done Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage, like the book or the conference or anything? And he talks about how, you know, guys have boxes and they pull out a box and they want to talk and deal, you know, talk about that box and deal with it and then put it back. But women's brains are all connected. So I just want to say that it wasn't as actually as much of a shock to me that we were able to somehow merge our, our thoughts and our messages. Um, <laughs> We've been talking about the boxes a lot lately. He'll just be like, you're taking out another box. So that was on my brain. Um, when we were talking at lunch on Monday, I was just saying how I felt like God has just been saying, remember, like go back, go back to what I've already said. Because a lot of times, you know, we want God to say something different or, or new to us and he does, but I just felt like he was like, go back and remember what I've already said to, to this, this family, you know, this year. And so I don't know how many of you were here on December 31st of 2017, but we rang in the new year by having, you know, our team, some of the pastors sharing on what they felt like God was saying to City Harvest Church this year. And it was just really neat when I went back and actually listened to the message all over, everybody's messages all over again. Um, there was just, there was just this kind of neat little thread woven through and it started with that night. And so, you know, Darcy had shared about, uh, the fulfillment of God and the fullness of God coming through, um, the fulfillment of, of us walking out in our gifts and God bringing about his promises. Pasquale shared on multi-generational and multi-ethnic unity that we would be one and that we would come together and that that would happen through love. Um, Deidre shared uh, this, this prophetic picture of a vision of our church just being filled to the brim with water and God opening up the doors to the church and that water just pouring out through the city and that people's lives would be changed. But we, we really had to set ourselves apart for that and be consecrated to God. Um, I, I shared on lice. <laughs> we had just gotten lice. It was, it was awful, but God showed me um, through having, you know, lice in our home that there are sometimes just hard things we have to, to go through that he doesn't miraculously deliver us from and that sometimes we just have to go through the hard processes that he set us in and continue until the end. Um, Dave Schaff just shared really simple, basic things about God's with us. God loves us and God is greater than anything that we face. And then Ben had a message, um, you know, he was fired up about the lost, how we talk, you know, we might talk about the lost in quotation marks, but how they're people, they're individuals, they're sons and daughters of God, and how we can say we want to reach the lost, but when they come in, are they going to experience love or are they going to experience judgment because they're different than us? And then I just thought it was really neat, some of the, just the sermons we had, you know, on the, you know, the Holy Spirit, and everything was just kind of woven together. But then when Pastor Dick Iverson, um, when he passed away, it was very unexpected. And for those of you that don't know, Pastor Dick Iverson is, is Pastor Bob's kind of like his spiritual father, his mentor. And it was very unexpected. 
And because of, of that happening, it kind of just started this whole thing of, of legacy and, and what, what do we leave behind and what's our impact. And because of that, Pastor Bob had Ernest Gentile. He was so fun to have. He's, he's 88 years young, you know, and he was hilarious. He just had the best sense of humor, but, but he had this word, and it, it was like, man, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. It's so crucial that we be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then uh, Frank DiMazio came, and he talked about being a difference maker kind of along that line. What's your legacy that you're leaving? Pastor Sue talked on legacy on Mother's Day. But then, you know, we had prophetic commissioning. And I don't know if you guys were here for, for Jess Strickland when he shared one night. But he talked about, he contrasted the story of, of two stories in the Bible, the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus. And he started by saying, you know, I'm fully aware that I'm here prophesying because of my prophetic gift. But that I, what's a scary thing to me and what I have to always be aware of is that I can actually use my gifts apart from intimacy and closeness with God. And that really hit me. I, the, way, the way he framed it, I mean, he's, he's very direct, sharpshooting kind of guy. But then he contrasted the two stories and he said, the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and, and said, what must I do? You know, I, I'm, I've already followed all the laws and everything, but what must I really do? And, and, and then when Jesus said, well, you need to sell everything you have and follow me, um, that right there, he said, you know, that guy would be the kind of guy that most pastors would want in their church. A good, you know, not the kind of person that causes trouble. They follow all the rules. They probably tithe a lot. And he said, but that person wanted to follow rules. They didn't want a relationship with Jesus and they walked away discouraged. They walked away downcast. But then he talked about Zacchaeus, who is somebody that none of us would probably, we all say we would in hindsight, you know, because we know how the story ends and what Jesus said about him. But he was a tax collector, which, which you know, Jess said he was an extortionist. He, you know, like almost like a mobster or something. He was an extortionist. He was taking from his own people. But because of his eagerness to be with Jesus, his eagerness to know more, Jesus went and dined with him, and he hosted the presence of God in his home. And that, him contrasting those two stories just kind of said it all for me. Because what I felt like God wanted, wanted us to go back and to remember as we pursue God, as we pursue the gifts, we are a church that we love to worship. We, we want to evangelize. We want to prophesy. We, we want to experience all of God's fullness and goodness. But we want to know that it's coming out of an intimacy and a relationship with Jesus. We don't want to be a bunch of good rule followers. Or we don't want to be a bunch of bad rule followers. You know, where we're like, man, I'm always messing up. I can just never do it right. But that eagerness to to see God, to do whatever he had to, to do, to get up into a tree, to see him. And that eagerness, that curiosity. Have we lost our curiosity about God? Have we lost our curiosity in our relationship with God? Um, what it kind of just came down to is I just felt like when we receive God's love, when we're, when we're remaining in intimacy with him, we will always be transformed by that love, always be transformed. And as, and as we're transformed and then we're filled with the power of the Holy spirit, 
we get to do all those things that we've been hearing about this whole year, being set apart, being in unity, being known by our love. All the fullness, all the gifts, all those things come when we remain in intimacy with Jesus. So I'm going to try to say this sitting down. I thought that we were sitting down when we weren't talking and then uh, standing up when we were. Um, no, I'm not. <clears throat> I can't do it. It just doesn't work for me. So she can, after I raise your blood pressure, she can calm it by sitting there and talking nice and smooth. But uh, here we go. Um, if you're wondering why I have short hair, it's because we had lice. And I had to cut my hair a year ago and uh, just decided it looked really good on me. And it highlighted my eyebrows and my mustache, so I thought I'd leave it that way. But um, in Genesis chapter 17, uh, God is speaking to Abraham, and, um, and he's, he's bringing about a new covenant to Abraham. Now, he's already told Abraham that, that, that he was going to multiply, and he told him you know, the land he was going to have, and just told him a lot of different things. And Abraham um, had faith and really did trust God in a lot of ways, um, Earlier on, when God told Abraham, just get up, leave your family, leave what you've known, and go somewhere else, uh, Abraham just was like, cool, I'll do it, and then just went and did it. Um, So Abraham was a man of faith, and he was obeying God. And so this wasn't God trying to take Abraham in 180 degree. This wasn't uh, with Paul uh, when, when God came down to who was Saul and kind of kicked him off his, off his horse and, and blinded him to kind of convert him. He, he, he had him go in a 180 degree turn and, and he gave him a new name and he gave him a new identity. And he, he went from Saul to Paul and he went from a persecutor to someone who was going and actually uh, spreading the good news and sharing the good news and, and became a, a huge instrument of the early church. And in the same way here with Abraham, God was giving him a new name, and with that new name came a new identity. So in verse 1, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared, or as Tamar was talking about, Ernest Gentile. When Abraham was 99 years young, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me. Now, this walk before me is, is talking about maintaining an ongoing intimate relationship with God. So this isn't just a one-time thing, just saying, hey, come stand before me or come be with me. But he's saying, Abraham, uh, I want you. And he's, he's kind of setting up what this covenant is going to take out of Abraham and, 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 and what, it, what Abraham needs to do. And he's saying, I want you to come and dwell with me in an ongoing, intimate relationship with me as we go along. So walk before me and be blameless. Now, when I read be blameless, how many of you get a little intimidated by that? Okay, well, this is the same word that, that, that God uses with Noah and uses with, um, with sacrifices and things like that. But, but what God is saying to Abraham as he goes through this is he's saying the difference of this covenant and, and that because he had already given a covenant that was going to be for all Abram's descendants, 
that would kind of go on kind of like through the bloodline and no matter where you were kind of saying, listen, regardless of whether people mess up or not, this is what's going to start taking place. You're going to multiply and you're going to, you're going to gain more territory and this and that. But here, what he's saying with this covenant is that it's going to be about walking with God. And it's going to be about this ongoing relationship and ongoing walking with him. So he goes down a little bit. And then in uh, verse 5, it says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. And then it says, For I have made you the father. Now, so God gave him a new name. And with that new name came a new identity. God also changed Sarah's name to Sarah. And then promised that she would have a child, even though she was older and and wasn't supposed to have children anymore. There was going to be a new name and a new identity. How does this tie in? It ties in because what Tamar was sharing and what she felt passionate about is that we look back over the last several months at guests that came that felt like God gave them a prophetic word, something very specific for our church. And I encourage you, if you don't either remember those messages, or maybe you're like, oh, that's right, I think I liked it. I don't remember what the points were, but I remember having at least positive vibes while they were talking. Maybe to go back and and to listen to it, um, or maybe you were out of town that week. What's important is that messages that come forward, they're not just something to kind of pump us up. But there are messages that are, that are for us as a family. And just like when Tamar and I get a message for, for our family, our, our, our personal family and our children, we want to share that to our kids because it's saying, hey, this isn't just about the direction that we're going as, as a couple, but this is the direction we're going as a family. And therefore, it's important for everybody to be on the same page. And so maybe if you miss that, I encourage you to go and listen to them But I believe God is wanting to give us a new name and a new identity. And and I'm not, don't freak out. We're not talking, this isn't like the launching sermon to, you know, we're now going to be called, you know, some other name for our church, okay? You can keep your t-shirts and they're going to stay relevant and legit. Um, nothing's changing there. Not talking about that. We spent way too much time on graphics, right, Mort? Like, we have to keep the graphics. But talking about where God, and it doesn't mean, like Abraham, it doesn't mean that we were in a bad place, but it means God wants to take us to another level. And he wants us to step into a little more faith. He wants us to step into a little more uh, risk. He wants us to step into a little more trust, and he wants us to depend on him. And I believe that's for each one of us individually, that he has something new for every single one of us in this room. But as he does, that means he also has something new for us collectively. And there's something new he wants to do. Then in uh, verse um, uh, 17, as, as God's explaining what's going to happen, Abraham had a, a very um, probably normal response to most of us in this room. And uh, we like to look at this and say, oh my gosh, doesn't he fear God? How could he do this? But I think we would probably do something quite similar. So after God's saying, listen, I'm going to give you a son through you and your wife, even though you're old. And what did Abraham do? In verse 17, he said, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Okay, so what is that? That, that, that's, that means we're a little bit, um, we, we don't see how one plus one, or in this case, one plus two is gonna you know, equal four or something like that. It doesn't make sense in our logical mind. And so we can allow our mind in our own fear or our own um, lack of faith to hinder us from what God wants to do in us. 
But I really believe for each one of us that God wants to give us a new name and a new identity where we're pushing off the old things. We're pushing off the things that maybe scare us or fear us. And, uh, and we're believing the promises of God that he has for each one of us. How many of you were here last Sunday for one of the services that Jamie Winship shared at? Um, I was here for both of them, and, and he kind of shared the same story, just a little, little bit different twist on it. But he was asking us, he was, he was talking about uh, Peter and, and Jesus, just kind of his relationship with Jesus. And they were just so power-packed with truth. But he was talking about how when we say yes to Jesus, whether you call that asking him into your heart or getting saved or whatever terminology you put, you know, following Jesus, um, whatever, whatever that looks like. But he said as soon as we say yes to Jesus that first time, we're on this like continual, he said basically God is always wanting to move us up almost like an escalator. He always wants to take us into new and deeper levels with him. And the only reason we will stop is if we say no to Jesus. And he was talking about Jesus asking Peter, as Peter is, uh, you know, mending nets, and he said, can I step into your boat? So he just kind of kept saying that over and over again, as if Jesus is asking us at all these different levels, can I step into your boat? Can I step into your boat? And, and Peter says yes. And then it's like, well, okay, we're in shallow waters now. Can we, can we get out into the water? And then he said, you know, like, can we go out into deep waters? And, and, and at each step of the way, Jesus, in a sense, asks for our permission. He asks for our consent. He asks for a yes from us. And what he was saying is, you know, is your testimony that you're like, man, God is so faithful in the shallow waters, it is so safe right here. Man, God is so good. There's no storms here. I can see the beach. I could like probably walk to the beach if I wanted. God is so good right here. And how we can, we can in a sense, testify or say God's so good in our safe, protected, shallow waters, but how that's not what God has for us. He always wants to take us deeper. He always wants to take us to new levels in him. But he asked, he said, you know, Basically, that at whatever level you stop saying yes to Jesus is where you stay until you're willing to say yes. And then he said, um, why wouldn't we, he said, you know, why wouldn't we wholeheartedly say yes to Jesus at every level? And he just was blunt and honest. And he said, because we're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid we live self-protective lives and, and, and we, we don't want to do hard things. Hard things always mean discomfort. Um, they mean pain to us. It means the unknown. So maybe you're not afraid of the pain, but you're afraid of the unknown, the outcome. And so he said, where? Where is God saying yes to you right now? But where are you maybe saying no to him? No, I don't want to go out into deeper waters, God, because that's not as safe or I don't know if I can trust you. And I think that's a lot of times the thing in our hearts is, I don't know if I can trust you to take me all the way through this. Another thing is um, women mentoring women. Uh, the theme this year, I think it is, I hope it still is, I am fearless, right? Are we still doing that? Okay. <laughs> um, and just that, that idea of I am fearless. And, and Jamie had also talked about that at, at the youth group camp. And he was saying, man, when you're fearless, when you're not afraid, God can use you to do 
anything. Just imagine what God could do in your life, not just in you, but in every single person that you touch, that you have relationship, um, a person randomly at the grocery store, um, your, maybe your parents who are aging and they've never known God and you're like, oh, they don't have much time left. Maybe the person across the street who you're like, they're the most, you know, most terrible neighbor ever. I don't want to get to know them and I kind of don't care if they know God. But maybe God's asking you to go over there and you know that they hate Christians or what would we do if we weren't afraid? So what are we afraid of? I've been learning lately. I mean, I say lately, I guess it's probably a couple years in the making, but really, I guess what I would say, one of my, um, if we're using the word sin or, you know, the thing that separates us from God and, and Jamie had actually talked about this at the, the one night I was at youth group camp, but he just said, you know, sin is, is anything that separates us from God. And our disbelief separates us from God. And one of the main things, and it's just this simple little thing, nobody else knows it's going on, but God will tell me something about myself, an identity kind of thing. And he will say the word or the words or the sentence, and I cringe like, sometimes I'm just like, what? No, God, that's, that's weird. You know, like, you're my beloved. And, and I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, mm-hmm, yeah, mm, yeah. And, you know, you're, 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 you're my friend. And I'm like, well, I don't know if that's totally true. I mean, I think sometimes we're very friendly and we have a great relationship, and then other times we don't. But he'll say these things over me. And it was like at one point he just said, when are you going to start agreeing with what I say over your life? And I was like, oh, wow. I didn't realize, I always say, I don't fight God. If God tells me to do something, I'll go over there. I'll go talk to that person, move to another country. I don't, I don't fight God. But he was like, you can't even agree with me about what I say over your life. And I feel like that's what he wants us to do today. He wants us to agree with him about what he's saying over our lives, over who we are. He wants to um, say, will you say yes? When I say that this is how I see you, will you say yes? to that. If I say that this situation that looks really chaotic is actually the thing that I'm using to work something good in you and the people around you, will you say yes to that? What are we going to say yes to God to today? So if we take and we believe that God has spoken to to us as a church and us individually in a prophetic way, and he's brought clear things on who we are, and he's giving us a new name and a new identity. And so it, they're, they're not just words, but it's him saying, hey, this is who I want you to believe you are. And even as Tamar just shared, and we're saying yes, and, and we're saying, Lord, what, what, are you, what are you trying to change in my paradigm, in the way I think, and in the way um, I approach you, but also the way I approach life, and the way I approach who you say I am? And we're embracing that. The other thing is that uh, uh, kind of the, the whole idea of caught versus taught. And, the, and, and with that is that how we embrace who God says each one of us are. And how we do on that is something that is being caught by those around us. Now, we can choose whether or not we want to be in teaching mode or not. Okay? So each one of us in this room, we can turn on the teacher and, in a sense, turn off the teacher. But what you cannot turn on and off is whether people are catching from you. I can have moments where I choose to sit my kids down and say, okay... 
I'm going to, I'm going to give you what they call lecture. I call a loving chat, but and I, and I began to explain some things, and, and I can choose to do that, okay? But what I can't turn on and off is what they learn from just the way I walk, the way I talk, my facial expressions, the way I respond. Even, I mean, my, my older son, Aiden, who's 15, he says he can always tell what kind of person I'm talking to in, in their age based off of my voice, and uh, I won't get into, you know, where you fall in that and what voice I use for you. But, um, but there's something, he's catching something, okay? And in uh, John, man, it is hard to sit down. I used to have one of those bouncy ball office chairs because I could kind of sit but also kind of stand. But um, that was weird. <laughs> John 13, John chapter 13, verse 34, it says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then in verse 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, that is about catching. Jesus did not say that as you go and you quote 1 Corinthians 13, And you tell, you teach everybody what love is, then they will know that you are my follower. It wasn't about what you teach. It was about the, it was about our lifestyle in the way we live our life and that it would be caught. You know, we're saying this week, goodbye to the castles. Danae has never gotten up here and, and, and preached a message on her heart for worship. She has never sent out an email to the entire church of the basics of what she believes worship should look like and what it means to display a heart that's surrendered to God and and as you sing a song, how just to, to give God everything. She's never taught it. But the majority of us that have been here for several years and have watched her lead worship or even just watched her worship, whether she was on the stage or just standing, would say we know exactly what her heart is when it comes to that. We could go through, it means this, it means this, it means this. Why? Because we caught it. And so God is calling all of us to, one, realize the significance of our catching. And where, where to me, it's important is because when I think I can turn off my teaching, I then feel like I almost have, like, where I can put on the hat and then I can take it off and I don't have to really worry about my attitude. I don't have to worry about my tone. I don't really have to worry about whether my, my words sound like they have faith or trust behind them because I'm kind of off the clock. You know what I mean? I'm off duty and I can kind of just be this. But no, no matter what, I'm doing at all times of the day, I'm either displaying this or I'm displaying this. It's not a question of if I am displaying something. People are always catching from us. And so what is it that they're catching? Are we walking in faith and are we walking in a a heart of trust? Are we walking in a spirit of saying yes to God and saying yes to a new identity and saying, Lord, I receive this name you're giving me. I receive this identity you're giving me and I want to embrace it and that's what I want to live out. Um. I know it's it's pretty common right now for churches to have uh, taglines or, or mission statements, and I really truly feel like that's helpful um, to walk into a place and to immediately kind of know what the church believes or values and where they're headed. 
but maybe it's just because I'm getting crotchety and I'm, I'm getting older and um, I'm just like, oh, these newfangled things that all the, you know, churches have these days or whatever. And I'm like, let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to the basics. And um, in, where is it at? Mark, Mark 12. There's all these religious leaders coming up to Jesus and they're trying to trick him. They're trying to stump him. They think they're, you know, so smart and they're going to somehow stump the Messiah, the son of God. And the amplified version here says, then one of the scribes, an expert in Mosaic law came up and listened to them arguing with one another and noticing that Jesus answered them well, asked him, which commandment is first and most important of all? Jesus answered, the first and most important one is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and it says life in parentheses, and with all of your mind, and in parentheses it says thought and understanding, and with all of your strength. The question I was asking myself is, am I spent from loving God with everything that I have? Have I poured myself out? Am I, have I spent everything that I could possibly love God with? Or do I have reserves and leftovers because I want to take care of myself? This is the second. You shall unselfishly love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I just, I just was thinking about that. Like, that's the basics, Love God with everything that you have. Spend every, and I don't mean uh, financially necessarily, but spend all of your life on loving him and spend all of your life on loving others unselfishly. But I was thinking about that, like, but how can we love God? And okay, we love God. Some people do it linear, you know, you, you love God. Then once you fully love God, then you have to start loving all your neighbors, you know, unselfishly. But I don't fully love God yet, so I don't have to get to that one yet. But, but I was thinking about it like, well, we can't really love God until we allow him to love us. And we've talked about it before, but like with the song Reckless Love, Um, that if you have felt pursued by God in that kind of way, the, the, the the words talk about, you know, he's pursued me. Um, and if you've felt that you cannot help, but just receive God's love, you can't help, but take that and want to give that same grace and love to others. And so will you guys just stand, will you stand with us? What is holding us back from from intimacy with God right now? So in your life right now, if you are in any way, shape, or form comfortable with where you're at, that's not a bad thing, just maybe ask yourself, is God saying, I want to take you out into deeper waters? I know you feel good right here. I know you feel safe right here. But is God wanting to go out into deeper waters? Will you say yes to him? I really feel like, not that you can't sing along with the next song or anything, but I really do feel like we need to take a moment and before we do any assessments, um, asking ourselves questions, is just let ourselves receive the love that God has for us right now. Not because of who we are or all the good things we've done, not because we've been so obedient and such great rule followers. It's just simply that he created us. We're his sons and his daughters and he loves us. So maybe just take a moment first and just ask, you know, him to just show you his love. 
that he would just pour out his love on you in this moment because it's really hard to love him back or to love other people if we don't have that thing down first.